Welcome to Learned in Go-Go, the podcast. I am your host, Sydney A. I'm the author of Everything I Need to Know, I Learned in Go-Go how a preacher's daughter pole danced her way to finding her true self. And I am super freaking excited, guys. I have the most wonderful guests with me today. But first, I have a little disclaimer, because if you have listened to my podcast before, you know that I do go into the explicit sometimes. But this is going to be a episode primarily about sex. We're talking sex, sexual fantasies. If this is not your jam, if you have kids in the car, kids in the room, you might want to skip this episode and I will see you next week. So that being said, my guest today is a sexual fantasy expert. Did you even know that was such a thing? It's so cool. She's a former sex worker and professional dominatrix, as well as a certified somatic sexologist with a BA in anthropology. She's also the author of an upcoming book, The Spirituality of Smut, I love that title, where she explores the transformative narratives within sexual fantasies and how to get them out of your head and into your bed in ways that satisfy the real desire behind the story symbolism. Please welcome Artemisia Divine. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I, I got hold of your book this week and I've started reading it, which is super exciting. So we've got a little bit of a mutual fan club going on here. How, I'm sure this conversation is going to be juicy. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. And thank you so much for being the first person in Australia to buy a copy of my book. That is super exciting. I really appreciate it. Um, I wanted to start off by letting my audience know that the way that we got connected was you reached out to me, which I was blown away by. <laughs> and the thing that caught my attention, aside from the sexual fantasies and everything, which of course caught my attention, was that we both grew up with preacher daddies. And it's interesting to me that growing up in the church, we both found our paths in kind of a 180 from that. So I immediately felt a connection to you having that kind of background. Um, do you think that there's anything in particular from growing up that way that led you down this path? Or was it just, you just think sex is fun and that's where you went? Because it really is. <laughs> it really is fun, isn't it? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that whole preacher's daughter thing is such an interesting thing. I'm a, My grandfather was a, a minister in the Seventh-day Adventist church, and he was particularly extreme in his views, not a standard mainstream Seventh-day Adventist. Um, and I'm talking like everything about the body is evil, everything. You can't dance. You can't have drums in your music. That might excite the senses too much. You can't have herbs in your food. That might excite the senses too much. Uh, certainly wow. no makeup or jewellery or anything to decorate the body. Um, no, um, and uh, the body was the devil. And right. my my father um, tried to rebel against that but then ended up being a preacher himself. Well, not he didn't uh, become an official minister of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, but he would be nonetheless be invited to preach and became a sort of, he, let's say there's a fanatic gene in my family. 
and I know that you're really on good terms with your family still, but my family yes. believes that um, that everything about me is evil, so there is no chance, unfortunately, for me to be able to form a relationship with them, um, which is a bit sad. Yes. Right. I'm actually surprised with those views that your grandfather was able to have children <laughs> if the body's so evil you'd think that would have been the end of your family line honestly well I'm not sure there would have been too many orgasms involved <laughs> <laughs> it was just that you know procreation but yeah I think there's actually like in my experience anyway being the preacher's kid there's an automatic need for attention and that kind of in my book I go into this how I didn't have two parents. I had 200 because the entire congregation would love to go back and tell on me. You know, if they said, I saw your daughter smoking at the mall. It's like, what? Who cares? Why are you calling them? So to me, I kind of wonder if that was your experience, too, that like your parents were so wrapped up in the church that you kind of had to fight for attention. And like in my case, and I'm, I'm going down a, a rabbit hole here. I'm sorry, but um, go for it. I was, I was, I don't know if I shared this in the book, but I was exposed to sex at an early age because like I found my grandfather's porno mags and, you know, like that kind of thing. And looking at it to me, I wanted to be those women. I loved looking and see, and it was exciting. So I think that kind of started my path. So I don't know, you know, and you obviously please don't feel like you need to share anything that's uncomfortable to share, but I didn't know if there was maybe like the same kind of connection like this gets attention quickly so in order to fill that i kind of went down that that rabbit hole with myself i don't know if that's a common thing or just a sydney thing or well actually mine's a little bit different um and actually you bring up a brilliant topic and a little bit later once i've uh, already had a chance to explain how sexual fantasies work I'm going to circle back to exactly what you just said then because there's another lens we can look at that through which is not necessarily just about our childhood unfinished business but another way in which the attention can actually meet a different kind of need which I'd love to discuss as well. But my experience from the um, the church um, background is, well, you know, I, I, if I disobeyed, like it didn't instantly mindlessly obey without question. I was demon possessed and had to go through exorcisms. It's quite extreme stuff. Uh, and my my thing, um, my experience of religion, and I'm not against Christianity, by the way. I'm not bagging Christianity at all. This is a yeah. an an expression of Christianity that that was it was a, the use of Christianity to abuse power, right? And it was a um, if I was taught that if I did not mindlessly obey everything, I would um, be cut off from all love, cut off from human love, family love, and God's love right. <laughs> right? forever, not just for today. <laughs> and they would preach that there's, uh, Jesus would forgive your sins but then live the exact opposite. So you'd get these mixed messages. So that this is a whole um, movement now about um, processing religious trauma. And I do believe I absolutely had religious trauma. But one of the most beautiful things that came out of, you know, any anything you can choose 
you can choose to create something positive out of anything. And and what I I became fascinated with is how do you wield power without abusing it? Yes. Hello, dominatrix. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And that's that's wonderful that you turned that, you know, you flipped the script. Like I talk yeah. about that a lot. I do positive affirmations on one of my social media channels every morning. And I typically say all of us are where we are as a result of the choices we have made this far in our life. And you can't choose what happens to you, but you can choose how you react to it. And I love that you found a way to be powerful without being abusive. That's wonderful. It's And it's sex work. It's actually, and being a dominatrix that taught me how to actually, and on the surface, it, it, you know, people don't understand that. They say, how can you be such a sadistic person um, and, and enjoy that? Isn't that abusive power? Oh, let's just wait. Just wait till you understand sexual fantasies a little more. They're so damn clever. They flip <laughs> that script all right. <laughs> Yes, that is awesome. That like, I'm, I'm just so excited to learn more. So, um, are there things that are common? Like, do I know from listening to you that it's not as simple as like what I said? I was little and was exposed to this, so that's why I fantasize about this. It's not a goes to be. There's so much more to it, and that's what's so fascinating. So, how? Yeah. What are the most like common things and how are they not even connected? <laughs> you mean the most common fantasies or the most right. common reasons that we have fantasies? Both. Uh, if well, we can okay. do both. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a lot of interest in, like there's so many sexual fantasies and for a lot of us, um, domination and submission in some form or another is a very, very common theme. Even amongst people who do not identify as kinky or into BDSM, people, uh, the theme of power plays through turn-ons all the time. Um, and one of the reasons I think that that is, is because in order to be able to access our beautiful, wonderful, erotic selves, to shift our state of consciousness from our everyday way of thinking about the world into an erotic state. And you know that it's a shift. Of, you know being horny is an altered state of consciousness, right? Yes. Being horny. <laughs> like, <laughs> you think differently when you're horny. Right? Yes. Every, everything you see is like an innuendo. That hot dog is suddenly not just a hot dog. Like it's... <laughs> <laughs> Ask any man watching a woman eating a banana. It's right? 100% mind shift. Right. And you you want to do things and think differently. Your logic is different. Certain parts of your processing mind are turned off. Other ones are turned on. You have access to something that's different. It's an altered state of consciousness. We're just, we're used to thinking of altered states as things that, are, you know, only people who take hardcore drugs or, or go into, you know, trance states on purpose uh, achieve. But actually they're very normal. We encounter them all the time. <laughs> and being sexually aroused is one of them. But in order to, to have the best sex, I mean, you tell me, when you're dancing on the dance, uh, on that pole um, and you're thinking in your mind, is it a different dance to when you let go into the flow? 
100%. And I was going to bring that up that even now, once a week, I go dance as a workout. Um, I go before the clubs open. It's me and the cleaning lady. It's not a job anymore at all. But I love that because it energizes my battery. It makes me feel like I'm invincible. And it just, like you said, it's an altered state. When I'm on that stage and I'm looking out even at the empty bar stools, it makes me feel empowered. But when I did it as a job, after a while, I would be up there. And like you said, if you're in your head and I'm thinking, okay, I need to go on the way home and go to the grocery store. And, you know, I'm not allowing myself to get into that other state. So when I'm allowing it and I let it in, it's fantastic. Right. Exactly. We do know that we have to shift from one state to another. You know the difference between when you arrive at a at a party and everyone's dancing and you first get on the dance floor and you're feeling a little bit self-conscious. You're actually thinking, what is everyone else thinking about me? Your movements, your your, your how you feel about your body is different to when the moment when you just you lose it and you you're now you're not even thinking at all about what anyone else is thinking. You are just being carried by the music and it feels like everybody else is in sync with you. Your nervous systems are all in sync. You've got this, you know, moment of connection and oneness and just flowing with it. And you just, that's just, there's deliciousness in that. <laughs> so the best sex is also like that, right? So the best sex is about changing our state of consciousness to get to this surrendered state. That's why they call it letting go. You know, it's like I just let myself go and enjoyed it. So that's that makes a whole lot of sense. Right. And yet there's a part of us that is always going to resist that. It feels awkward about it. What if what if I make a fool of myself? What if I dance like, you know, uh, and I look stupid? What if everyone's laughing at me? What if, um, uh, you know, all of the fears about our self-identity come up and there's this this. we need to somehow get that voice to become relaxed and quiet so that we can shift into just pure experiencing in the moment, right? This, this deliciousness. So um, get past performance anxiety, basically. Yes, (laughs) definitely. Stop worrying about, you know, what's hanging out of what and just let it hang, you know, just enjoy it. it. So I really wish that we could all view ourselves the way that others view us because we're all so much more self-critical. So allowing us to just be and just enjoy it. Like most of the time, you know, when you just meet someone and you wind up in bed together, they're just very happy that you invited them there. They don't care, you know, <laughs> like it's, you know, what I didn't shave. I look like an overstuffed Easter basket. I don't care. Like, mm-hmm. thank you. I'm glad to be here. And we just need to adopt that and just be and, like you said, Mm. flow. I like that. Just go with the flow. So how do we get into erotic flow state? Like um, there's there's all these studies about how powerful flow state are. It accesses your creativity, your brain changes, you access a whole different part of yourself. But in order to do that, you have to lose yourself first. And that's the hard part. Surrender. Right. How do we do it? Like if we, how? Like you can't go, okay, I'm just going to lose myself now. Will right. I need to be? <laughs> <laughs> Controlling yourself and losing yourself or not, you can't control the losing part. You got to surrender, like you said. So how, okay. how do you 
suggest that we do that so that we can get the the optimum experience. Well, you just gave me the beautifulest segue. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> the domination and submission is exactly that. It's a story. It's the perfect story that we need to hear our ego in particular needs to hear so that we can let our guards down and temporarily lose ourselves. I love so that. It's a story from one part of ourselves to another part of ourselves. It's like, you know, because a fantasy uh, just seems to arrive in your consciousness a lot of the time. It, it seems to just pop into existence from your subconscious. <laughs> right? Hello. <There's> the banana. <laughs> 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 so it's that's right. <laughs> um, but it, it's you know um, d desires like that. You're sitting there perfectly comfortable on the couch, and and you don't want to move anywhere. Everything's perfect, and you're content until suddenly a desire pops into your awareness, and you know without a doubt you want that peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> it just arrived in your consciousness right, right. so um, it's a message from some part of ourselves that we're not conscious of it's a, an invitation from some part of ourselves to let go it's sending the story to this other part that's trying to be in control and protect our dignity and protect our <laughs> <laughs> and self-worth and uh you know you know, am I worthy? All of those things. And how do I protect my identity as a good girl and also be a primal say, monster? Go against the narratives that we have been taught because good girls don't do that and good girls don't think like that. That's so, right. <laughs> yep. And well, it was interesting I... in in my case because I I was never told what I wasn't supposed to do. It was just not until you're married. But I didn't know what I wasn't supposed to do till I was married. So when I got the peanut butter rush, I didn't know what I was even supposed to do with it. Like, okay, I want a peanut butter sandwich, wink, but I don't know why and where it, like it. So it's even more interesting when you have to learn the story of why you're having the story. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, thank you, public school sex education. Because I didn't have a clue. <laughs> So you bring up this really beautiful point of of being so confused about our sexual fantasies. My sexual fantasies start from a very very young age. They they start from way before we're ready to be sexual beings. They start from people often reported to me as a, when I was a sex worker uh, that their their earliest memories of of being excited by the idea of spanking uh, from age five. Wow. And I and I certainly um, had sexual fantasies that I did not understand as sexual fantasies uh, right. from age five as well. I remember being in kindergarten, having fantasies of um, uh, one of the boys in the class and his older brother. Thank you very much. And <laughs> <laughs> Might as well bring the whole party. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and being tied up and having them do um, all sorts of things to me that I really wanted, but I also felt humiliating and embarrassing at the same time. How on earth can a five-year-old make sense of that? That's interesting. And I'm only like now remembering as you bring that up, I used to, I'm, I'm sure they had them in Australia too, like the old movies of the villain tying the woman up to the railroad tracks. 
I wanted that so bad and I don't know why, but I just wanted to be tied to the tracks and rescued. And it was so exciting to be in that position. And it's like being a little, like you said, five, you know, five, six years old. And that's where my brain was going. And I didn't know why, but it was like very exciting to think about. Right. And uh, initially I didn't feel any shame about it as a five-year-old because I didn't have any, re like I, f I knew that I couldn't tell anyone because they wouldn't understand, but I didn't feel shame. I just felt confused. What, what does this even mean? As I got right. older, I got really, the shame came in thinking I'm hating power abuse in my real life. I'm experiencing real power abuse. It is the last thing I want. Isn't this fantasy about power abuse? What the hell? Am I broken? Is this, am I having this fantasy because I'm abused? Like, what is, is it the devil? What is it? Right? Right? It's always the devil. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, it wasn't until later on that I, I, I started to understand that actually whether people have had a difficult childhood or not, fantasies of domination and submission and even embarrassment, being turned on by embarrassment is common across the board, no matter what kind of childhood you've had. So right. it's, we can't tie it to our abuse, um, even if you have had abuse. Uh, so uh, don't get me wrong. I do think that that we do process our, our difficult challenges as well through our turn-ons. That, but I, I don't think it's right to limit that. I don't as immediately That's as soon as we pathologize it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, coming back to power and uh, trying to be in control of our dignity and needing to surrender our dignity in order to play like nobody's watching <laughs> this is the essential part of how we're going to have good sex and how we're going to enter into these erotic states of consciousness we have to be able to do that the sexual fantasy is this beautiful story sent by this unconscious part of you pops up like that peanut butter sandwich and <laughs> <laughs> we never think of peanut butter sandwiches the same every day. I was going to say, I'm going to crack up the next time I see a peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> but it's the exact story that that ego self that's defending and protecting our dignity needs to hear to feel safe to let its guards down. And it's not a logical story. It's a, a story that's designed to make sense to the logic of our egos. And it makes perfect sense to the logic of our egos, right? <laughs> so all of our sexual fantasies include, like, to, to an ego who's trying, uh, everything about vulnerability is scary. Right. Everything, right? You, 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 it, egos are against all forms of vulnerability always. <laughs> you just protect us at all costs from all of the things. Always, 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 right. always. <laughs> but in order to get into that flow state, we have to let get the ego out of the driver's seat. It has to at least get in the back seat, if not out of the car altogether. Right? Stick it in the <laughs> tie it up and stick it in the trunk and make it part of the fantasy. <laughs> well, isn't that exactly what's happening? Isn't this story exactly this other part of ourselves tying up the ego <laughs> so that we can surrender it is exactly that story of um uh including whatever your particular ego fears are of okay. letting go and 
it has to be included in the fantasy somehow. So if you fear that some, if you're vulnerable, somebody will uh, make fun of you, then somehow or another that theme will be in your fantasy for making fun of, the possibility that they could. Um, I'll, say, I'll say how in a minute. But <laughs> it doesn't just leave it there. It transforms it. It includes the poison, the, your ego's fear, and the exact antidote for your ego to really believe that um, that fear has been resolved and you can now be safe to let go. And that's the genius of sexual fantasies. They that's are just... so interesting. <laughs> like it's just so much more than I'm the CEO of a company, so in my off time I want to be dominated so I'm not in charge. Like there's so, so much more to it than that. Right, that trope isn't just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only bringing that up because I have had exactly one experience as a dominatrix, and I'm going to put that in quotes because it's like absolutely not qualified. I was just put into the role to help my friend who was an actual professional dominatrix. And um, it was actually me, another friend, and her. And when we walked into the room, that poor man like you could just see on his face that he thought he had a really good idea until it was reality. And then he was really just not <laughs> feeling it anymore. But um, that was his, his deal was he was in charge of a company. And I think that was why he wanted to be dominated by three women instead of just one, but you know, to each their own. And that was, it was a learning experience. <laughs> Absolutely. I give you so much credit. <laughs> Because I don't know that I could do it with a straight face, but <laughs> <laughs> but it was, yeah. it was a fun afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is an art form. You're absolutely right. You were thrown in the deep end without the skills of being able to hold it, and he knew that he had a desire and a fantasy, but did not understand the real desire underneath the symbolism. So he couldn't even ask for the right things that would satisfy that. So he's, you know, there is an art form to this. And that's the thing that I got really good at. And that's the thing I teach people how to do now. I teach my method of how to understand um, what your sexual fantasy is and how to actually bring it to life, not by mimicking what's in your mind's eye, but by understanding the story narrative underneath it and creating an, a real life sexual or BDSM experience that meets the actual need in that story and, and, and opens you up. To this altered state of consciousness which starts with just being horny but that's just the beginning my darlings then flow state is possible then even spiritual states if you know how to follow your story all the way to the end and bring it into your embodied play that you can start to use your smart to access these wonderful places that people normally have to meditate in caves for years to get to <laughs> meditate in caves <laughs> I think now, this my sounds like a much more fun way to do it. <laughs> it's astonishing, though. It, it, the parts of yourself that you get to explore when your ego is out of the way is you get to experience yourself in this bigger part of yourself because um, your ego is your. It, it, it's brilliant. It creates and, and defends your sense of self. I'm not against egos at all. I think that we need them. We cannot operate in the world without them. They let us know that we are separate from everybody else. They give us an identity and protect our self-worth. They are um, 
and our social status. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so the gatekeepers for all of those things. And, you know, they are important in that way, but sometimes they're, you know, cock blockers and they need to step aside. <laughs> You have been listening to my podcast. Thank I you. have. <laughs> Absolutely. But that's yes. like what you said with my experience with the guy just taking the surface of wanting to mimic this, the thing that he saw in his head without the underneath thing. And that's why I, I like, I know from listening to you on other podcasts, that you take the time to communicate beforehand to get to know the underlying thing. I've always said that you, you know, if you can't talk about sex, then you're not mature enough to be having it. That being said, there's a difference between you got to wear a condom or it's not happening. And these are my biggest sexual fantasies. Like, so you do need to be kind of led and, you know, like comforted into being feeling safe enough to share those parts, you know, yeah. not just this is how we're going to do it. <laughs> you know, this is, I like when you do this. I don't like when you do that. And, you know, thank you, peanut butter sandwich. But then, like, to get deeper, <laughs> I like that you have this, this communication that you do beforehand so that you can get to know them and know the underlying things that they're actually looking for. That's right. Uh, initially, when I first started sex work, I just wanted money and I didn't know what I was doing and I just winged it and somehow intuitively made it through. But <laughs> <laughs> Tab A, slot B, thank you. <laughs> but with time, I, I recognised that everybody had their own unique wiring and it, and they were unconscious of that. They thought that that's just how sex was because, the, it, you know, like a fish in water, you don't realise that you're in water until you, you know, become a flying fish and leap out in the air and go, whoa, there's something different out here. Now <laughs> I realise what water is. Right. Um, so they didn't realise. They thought that the way that they did sex was how sex was. But every every single uh, client that I had actually had different ways of getting to it, to letting, letting go and surrendering because I didn't just do domination. I did the whole thing. I, I learned how to do Tantra. I learned how to do erotic massages. I learned how to do, uh, I was did escort here in Australia. Um, we've got different laws and lots of the states it's fully decriminalized and which means it's treated exactly the same as any other business because we've already got laws in place against all of the possible exploitations that could happen. So <laughs> we don't need special <laughs> laws for sex work. It's already illegal to, you know, sell someone into slavery. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> it's sad that we even have to make that a law. Like you should just not sell people. You should know. <laughs> and don't eat dynamite. We're gonna make that illegal too. <laughs> like, yeah, that's it. Common sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so I can openly talk about, you know, being a sex worker where I understand pe lots of people, are, other people in the world can't actually do that. Um, but I, I noticed that every single one of them had different wirings. And even though you might get, you know, six people in a row who all say, oh, I'd really like to explore um, uh, cross-dressing and please call me a, a little whore and, and use your strap on with me. So there you go. That's why you had the trigger warning at the beginning. Exactly. There. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't just for the banana folks. <laughs> um, they all needed to do it in different ways. They needed different body language, different attitudes, different poisons and different antidotes. Their ego, I needed to listen to their narrative. So I'd get them to, 
um, uh, to be able to understand what it is that's going to make it safe for them. This is the thing that your your experience of domination didn't didn't have. Um, they didn't have this chance. And I, I eventually started setting up um, uh, my my offerings so that people knew that this was a non-negotiable part of of coming to see me and they'd sit down on my red velvet couch and we'd have at least a half an hour discussion, drinking tea with our little Moroccan tea glasses. These ones, in fact, these ones oh, here, if you happen pretty. to be able to see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, have, I have a moody cow plastic cup going on. <laughs> Perfect. Mine is not as pretty. <laughs> uh, but I would listen to their sexual fantasies and their, their, um, past peak experiences and I would ask all sorts of questions in lots of very interesting ways that made it very inviting and very safe psychologically for them to answer that that's an art form you have to learn how to do that that's one of the things I teach people you're dealing with the most protect you know your ego is terrified of even looking at the, your fantasies directly uh, so telling somebody else about them is terrifying there is an art form in being able to make it safe for them to say things and there's an art form in being able to hear what is the narrative underneath that what is actually making their ego safe how can I use that same technique in my play with them and so then I would actually create uh, experiences that they didn't necessarily look like what their fantasy was at all, right? Uh, but it would have the exact same underlying narrative inside of it and create the same effect for them. And I would get incredible responses from people, people who had been playing with BDSM for 25 years and thought they knew all about subspace, they knew all about how to get into all of the most amazing altered states of consciousness, were going, whoa. <laughs> I had no idea I could feel this. What's this? That's what so even awful. is this? This is amazing. And then they try and describe it in only things that they, you know, relate it to whatever it is that they already understood. And they'd say things like, this feels like I'm on drugs. Like <laughs> as in, as in on, I'm taking psychedelics or, uh, you know, ecstasy. Except no, actually it doesn't feel like, drugs at, at the same time I, I feel like open like that but it feels really real the opposite of escapism the opposite of running away it feels like the most this is who I always wasn't and was trying to find and I didn't know this is the and that's what happens when your little self from ego gets out of the way you feel your big self that's right? so cool and it makes you, so much sense that we already have that inside of us we just need to have someone show us how to access it. Right. Some other people who have different ways of understanding the world would say things like, it feels like this is my higher self having a direct experience of being in my body and enjoying sex and clever. Uh, it's a pleasure, clever. <laughs> <laughs> But, but it is so it's this this really powerful, really powerful and really valuable part of ourselves that smut has the map to. Yes. Like it's just this part of us is so much more wise than we than we first think. And and I also wanted to just mention that if you think that it, um, if sexual fantasies have to all be about being tied up and uh, and more overtly dominated by like you know 
shades of grey flavoured CEO billionaires who are emotionally <laughs> unavailable. It's it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's um uh, that's a common one, but it's not the only one. You think about um think about how we actually liked like how the tradition in the West of our, a marriage proposal. What's Down considered on one knee and the height of romance is we want to make them suffer to prove that they love us and oh. they want us to submit to us. So we, like, think about this. We don't want someone to just go, will you marry me? We want them to prove that it's safe for us to open to them, right? We want them to come chasing after us. The most amazing romance includes them buying a diamond ring. Right. Why a diamond ring? Well, because it's expensive. And you yep. have to suffer to earn it. <laughs> Showing yeah. that I'm worth the investment. So, you know. Right. Yep. If you didn't suffer in some way in order to prove that that I'm worth this, then I'm not convinced that you actually really love me. So suffer. And more than that, we've got this whole trope of the um, uh, proposing in public or the, or the mad dash to the airport. Oh, no, I have to... to to you know, go through hell traffic and uh, overcome all sorts of obstacles in order to make it to the airport in time before you go away and and call you back. Like this is romance. We want to make them suffer to prove. <laughs> I never thought about it that way, but you're absolutely right. We, we want to um, uh, uh, even the, the the public declaration of love risks complete public humiliation, loss of status, embarrassment. They're willing right. to sacrifice their dignity uh, uh, in order to prove their love and go down on their knees yes. so that before us and actually propose with that diamond ring. So, you know, if you think that it's only the people overtly into, into domination that are into this, it is not. It's everyone is into this. The next time I'm in a restaurant and somebody proposes, I am going to pee my pants. I'm going to start laughing and they're not going to. I'll be like, did you know that what you actually want is for him to humiliate himself? <laughs> well done. <laughs> That's so funny. Like, I will never think of it the same way again, but you're absolutely right. All of those pieces are in place when we fantasize about the perfect proposal. Like you said, it's never, hey, want to get married? Sure. Yay. You know, it's a big production and especially the down on one knee in front of her, you know, submission. Mm -hmm. that, that's mm -hmm. very interesting. And we want to feel like we're the most special person in the world. Of course. Of course, feel I think like everybody has that. Right. And so the goal of every single sexual fantasy is to make you, even if you're non-monogamous, ethically non-monogamous, you still want this in the act of sex. Every sexual fantasy makes you the most important, most special person in the world in some form or another. Uh, it, 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 and it makes you convinced that the other person desires you and it makes you convinced that the other person just magically wants to do to you exactly what you want them to do. And they're fulfilled by that. They don't have their own needs. <laughs> right. You were here for me. So thank you. Thank you for making the peanut butter sandwich. I'm just going right. to keep going back to that. <laughs> but it makes total sense because in your fantasies, they are going to do that. The problem is when that translates over to real life and you just magically expect people to know what your desires are, what your 
good triggers are, you know, not, you know, that will unlock the safe. Like, don't you know my combo? We, you know, like we just got in here, but you should know exactly what I'm expecting, you know? That's right. And if you don't magically want to do exactly what I want you to do while I'm tied up, then you're not good in bed or we're not compatible and I need to find somebody else. It's not like that's that story is just cutting people off from potential connection with really beautiful people. And that's why I said about communication is probably the most important part because people aren't mind readers. And if you can have a conversation about the things that you enjoy and make those connections, it's just going to make everything so much more awesome, you know? Well, this, this is, you've brought, you've brought me to another beautiful point. You're really good at helping me out here doing a fantastic job as hosting a guest right now just so you know I appreciate that thank you mistress (laughs) doesn't it feel good (laughs) I love Um, the lighting I look like a tomato I'm really (laughs) it's hilarious but go on I'm sorry what was I saying that was distracting (laughs) in all the right ways (laughs) Oh, that's right. You brought me to a really good point where um, we, most people, I've come to the conclusion that most people on the planet are trying to get their sense of safety to share their intimate erotic cells with somebody else from the wrong place. And that limits them terribly. So most people understand that you'll have at least some turn-ons that are not matched with the other person. Um, so you know, let's get one circle here and that's one person's turn-ons, fill it up with all of the things that work for the, the exact things that work to convince their ego to let go temporarily. And then their, their sexual partner over here, all of the things that, that is the exact story they need, which is obviously going to be different because their yeah. ego is different. <laughs> all right. Um, we make a little Venn diagram. We bring them together, the circles, and there's an area of natural overlap where you've got plenty of things to play with. Otherwise, you don't end up staying as lovers. You, you need some some natural overlap in there. Right. Um, but what ha- what most people do is they think that oh, we can only play with the overlap area because it's not unless we're both turned on and horny. Uh, we can't express this together. Like I don't, I'm not going to share my foot fetish with you if you're not also into feet. I'm not going to, uh, you know, if if I want to be tied up and want to feel your desire for me and it's not your turn on, I'm not playing with you. Like we, we go into this mental thing of I can't share this part of myself with you if it's not also your natural turn on. Right. So we only play in the Venn diagram. This means there's this whole other aspects of the rest of the circle that is not in the Venn diagram that is our and a really important part of our erotic selves. And it's what do we do with that? Just cut it off? Just lop it off and never touch it? Do no. we only ever, you know, do we cheat to try and get those needs met? What, what are we going to do with this part of ourselves? If you're in a relationship with someone, there is a deep hunger to share the whole of yourself with somebody. Right. So one of, one of the really um, radical things that I offer in my training uh, is how do you actually shift that deep and often unconscious source of safety 
to a different source of safety so that you're both actually able to bring the whole of yourselves into your play together. How That's can really you do that? Okay. I'm very, very excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, tell me more, tell me more. <laughs> well, I'd love to be able to just give you the answer like that, but it actually it's shifting some tectonic plates. Um, so I have to take people through this process a little bit at a time. That's why my, my programs are actually about six months long. I train some of the most elite um, sex experts in the world. I train sex workers and professional dominatrixes, but actually a surprising amount of therapists and sexologists and sex educators, uh, as well as anyone who wants to um, just use the, the, the lens of the erotic to explore themselves deeply because it's not just about getting better orgasms. This is about exploring your psyche and bringing that into play and bringing that together. Uh, so anyone who's really into that self-discovery, transformation, connection, wanting meatier uh, uh, exploration of, of sex, that they're, they're my people. But I take them through a whole process, which is a three-tier there's three main pillars in, in the divinery method, and it's called the divinery method because that was the name of my play space in Sydney, Australia, <laughs> where I had, um, uh, that was, I had my dungeon and I had my, you know, tantra room and I had my um, cross-dressing. I had all these different themed rooms and I had this beautiful space set up and um, uh, my clients, my name was Mistress Artemisia Divine, which I'm keeping for my my author name Love for the it. spirituality of smut. <laughs> right? yes. um, but it's um, uh, they called my clients named that space. They called it the Divinery because they felt like when they were coming in there to, and, and talking about their their erotic and then creating real life experiences with me, co-creating them with me. Um, we They were divining the erotic, like, you know, water. Like a divining water. rod. Yeah, divining like... rod for water. Yeah, except okay. they were doing yeah. internal space. So they called it um, they called it the divinery. So that's just that's the perfect. method I used in the divinery method is, is the divinery method. Um, and it is the three peers, the three pillars are, first of all, we need to form a new relationship with desire itself. We need to actually form a, a body level somatic, somatic, that's whatever that comes in, like actually listening to your own subtle body wisdom to be able to follow your own inner compass that knows the way. You remember that desire is that part of you that popped that peanut butter sandwich into your <laughs> mind. It's an actual part of you that you can form an intentional relationship with. It's got its own wisdom that when we know how to hear it, it's brilliant. So this is how do we find this desire compass inside of ourselves and, and trust that to be the place that we need to follow. Then the second part is the map of your sexual fantasies. How do you actually work out what is the, the the clever narrative in there that is making it safe for you to let go, and 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 making it super exciting in the process? Because that it, does that know how to do that? Then, <laughs> <laughs> but breaking down the 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 elements of that so that you know now, oh, now I've got the ingredients. I can make a billion different stories out of this. Like That's I don't awesome. have to be right. Once I know how this works, I can be so creative in the way that I can set off those same buttons and we never, ever run out of wonderful things to try and explore together. Then 
there's the third part, which is so we've got the the compass and the map. This is like a treasure hunt. Then we've I feel got like Dora. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the map. I'm the map. <laughs> <laughs> then there's the um the journey of play. So this is now you, you can't just keep this as an intellectual concept, and uh, you can if you want to, and you can just kind of wank to your fantasies for the rest of your life thinking about that. But the okay. best thing <laughs> you can do is actually bring those same mechanisms out into the body and into play. It's a world of difference when you bring it into the, into um, your actual physicality, and 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 there's an art form to know how to do that which you weren't taught when you went to that experience thrown in the deep end with your your uh, domination experience. There's an art form of how do you set up the safe container and find that right risk and safety? How do you include the poisons and the antidotes? How do you have the conversations you need to find out this stuff when your lover isn't even aware of them themselves? It's completely in their unconscious. How do you create the right... Um, the right kind of emotional aphrodisiacs. Oh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say too, I love that you use the word play when you describe all of this because it just makes me giddy, you know, like especially in some of your other podcasts, you, you said consensual play and it just like gave me tingles. Like I just like that term and it makes it even more um, possible to open up because it's like, now we're just talking, we're going to play and it's going to be fun and it's going to be amazing. Like we're all going to be smiling at the end because we're playing, you know, I like right. that. That's right. a perfect term. <laughs> it is play. Yes. And that's the world of difference between uh, like when it's in that really clear consensual container, it is play. It's pup, like the it is a world of difference to that that power abuse that I had in my childhood. I was just was thinking that between procreation and play. There's a difference. <laughs> yeah. Well, the way the church was, well, my family in particular was using um, power to control and manipulate and uh, uh, cut you off from your own source of eros. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Bad eros. Bad. Uh, uh, <laughs> to, to actually wielding power in a way that is now going to benefit everybody involved deeply. Yes. And it's consensual. And like there's a world of difference, like play, think about the difference between puppies, play fighting. They're yes. playing with death and violence. They are wrestling. They are going for the jugular. Yes. <laughs> there are teeth and claws everywhere. Right? <laughs> but there, you know, and even animals know the difference between play. There is, it, they might yelp because they've accidentally bit a little bit too hard, but they know that actually this is not meant to harm anybody and they will um, recover from the yelp and and re repair that the the little moment of oopsie doopsie and <laughs> get back into the into the fun of play again yes. but there's a world of difference between that and a wolf going out on the hunt and actually ripping throats out of uh, of their prey that it's a not the same analogy thing. to show the difference i love that because it's everybody can envision puppies and wolf like and that's perfect to describe the difference for people yeah. that are like, well, it's violent and I don't understand it. That that was a perfect way to describe it. Right. Well, if 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 your ego is afraid that if somebody has power over you, it, they're going to be violent, and then you have sexual fantasies of somebody being violent, but the antidote, because you have to include something in the fantasy in order to transform it. You have to right. include 
that uh, like that just like the puppies you have to um include the violence but also include the antidote the the the, the little tribe commander you know uh where right, are yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yep. and and um then you have the exact opposite end result than what your ego feared it would be and yes. that is the alchemical magic right there. That's sex alchemy right there. Sex <laughs> alchemy. I love it. I'm learning all kinds of new phrases and it's so fun. <laughs> That's wonderful. So you mentioned your book and you mentioned your courses. So how can my listeners connect with you in order to take advantage? I know the book's not going to be out for a bit. But when you're ready for pre-orders, please let me know and I will definitely blast that out all over the place. But for now, um, courses, website, like where's the best place to get in touch with you if they want more information? I'll definitely get on my mailing list if you want to be one of the people who gets my book. And I will tell you all sorts of secrets on my newsletter in the in the meantime. It's my favorite thing to tell stories and secrets um, and, and give you tips and things. Uh, but if... <laughs> <laughs> I'm mentally 12 and sometimes it's just a 12 year old boy in middle school and I laugh at inappropriate things I apologize <laughs> well aren't you good at play you'd be fun <laughs> <laughs> absolutely I roll off the couch every time I try to find out by myself though so <laughs> so um uh, I actually offer a freebie and there's there's one that's already on my website as this particular podcast drops, but there's another one coming in the next few weeks that I would stay around for if I were you, because I'm going to walk you through uh, how to actually start unpacking the particular narrative in your fantasy so that you can start having that conversation with your sexual partners, becoming aware of yourself. And you don't actually even have to confess your sexual partners, fantasies to each other to, to be able to begin this process. So it's quite a gentle introduction. Um, oh, but nice. I'm going to walk you through how to notice the different things so that you can begin to already have much more impactful sex that's going to scratch the real itch right so <laughs> <laughs> um uh so definitely you can find that on myfantasyis.com well it will be there in a couple of weeks at the moment there's another one sign up for that too why not get, get greedy, all the have things it all. Yes. take advantage <laughs> By signing up to that, you'll get on my mailing list and then I will also be able to send you this, um, the new version as well as soon as it comes out so to make sure that you, you don't miss out on, on that particular thing. And then you'll also find out when my book comes out. So you, you can be with I'm super excited for that. I love yeah. it. I love the title. Yeah. Yes. But you can, if you're interested in working with me, you're interested in perhaps um, delving into a, 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 using the erotic as as a uh, lens to really explore yourself, then you can just go to artemisiadivine.com and, and check out other podcasts that I've been on to hear more about it. And um, uh, there's ways that you can uh, have a discovery call for me for free. We can have a conversation and see how that might look for you. What would be the best approach for you to learn this sort of thing? And when I teach, you, it's on Zoom, so it can be anywhere in the world. Uh, and it's you don't have to get naked or do anything sexual on Zoom, right? <laughs> Bring your peanut butter. <laughs> That's but great. You, and I will definitely put all of that in the show notes too so that people spell things correctly and, you know, they can just go to the link. But that's that's awesome that it's Zoom because that just opens your world to being able to help so many more people. 
Mm. Well, I'm about to go to Europe as well. So I'm about to teach in Greece and the UK and maybe Berlin. Um, so if you're in those areas by any chance and you want to uh, learn from me in person, you also should get on my mailing list so that I can show you that <laughs> so you can find out when this is happening. That yeah. is so cool. You're on tour. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and was there any other tips or tricks that you can share or you just reach out to you and get on the secret Scooby mailing list to learn those? I think the best thing to do now is go and do that, that, that walking you through how to un unpack your particular wiring. Uh, so that's going to be there for you. But the biggest thing I want you to remember is desire is a genius at, at changing your internal state, an absolute genius, but it's one organ of the psyche and it only has one job. It's Desire is absolutely rubbish at giving you literal instructions of how to behave in the outside world. Like if you just follow your desires without performing, uh, forming a intentional relationship with it, you're going to spend all of your tax money on hats and not be able to pay the tax. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to. That's good. I like that. You're going to be like on Amazon all the time and not be able to pay your rent. I got gotcha. you. Right. Yeah. But if but if you form an aware relationship with it, you can protect yourself from the bad consequences while deeply embracing its wisdom to take you somewhere very, very powerful. So there you go. That is so cool. I am so I don't I just want to keep talking to you, but we're coming up on an hour. So I probably should wrap this up. This has been amazing and so interesting and fun. And I would love to have you back on once your book's out to talk about that and talk about more stuff or just talk because I'm having fun. <laughs> so For sure. awesome. I always give a weekly assignment, I call it for my listeners. And if you comment under the weekly assignment, you will get an entry into my monthly contest to give away a book. So for this week, your assignment is to go to my fantasy is and sign up for Artemisia's course. And then you can DM me, you know, you can just put a little smiley face in the comment. We won't let anybody know what the, the assignment is. You would have had to have listened to this to know. I'm making it tougher, folks. So just put a little smiley face in the comments. I will know that you signed up. I might even check up on you. So don't lie and say you did it if you didn't. <laughs> but that is our assignment. And thank you again so much for joining me on this podcast. It has been so fun and so in, like informative. I had no idea how much deeper this goes. So I can't wait to unpack my own narratives and learn even more. So with that, I'm going to end like I always do. Make sure that whatever's going on in your life, you take it on head first. When you stick your head in the sand and you think you're hiding from the world, everybody else just sees a big ass. I'll see you next week. <laughs>